Hello everybody and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. My name is Amelia Helt and I am joined by OIO co-founder, surfer, ocean lover and all-round nice guy, Tim Silverwood. How are you going, Tim? Very well. Thanks, Amelia. Here we are, the Pitchfest 2021 series. We're powering through. Not many more episodes to go now. No, we're over halfway through now and it's just so exciting and we've got a really good episode today with Jack Hurley from Firetail Robotics and uh, Firetail Robotics were the winner of the Dicker Data Ocean Monitoring Spotlight Award for Pitchfest 2021. Tim, how good that we have managed to get Dicker Data uh, back again as partners. They're such good supporters of OIO. Oh, it feels fantastic. Yeah, it really is. I mean, the Spotlight Award categories for the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest are really valuable. They basically tell everyone out there, hey, if you're working on these particular challenge areas, we want to shine a light on you. And so Dicker Data sponsored the Ocean Monitoring Award in Pitch Fest 2021. Firetail Robotics were the winner and they're back again for Pitch Fest 2022, which is actually launching on the 9th of August 2022. You can actually pre-register now. But yeah, big props to Dicker Data. These guys, they know data, they know technology, they're an ASX-listed, Australian-owned company. They have been doing data for 41 years, and we're just so proud that they believe in the importance of using technology to gather data from the ocean for the ocean so we can, of course, make great informed decisions on how to protect our dear planet ocean. So true, and it's really great to have uh, you know, the winners of these Spotlight Awards on so that we can get a little bit more of an insight into exactly why, you know, their solution is is special and kind of, again, shine the light on them. So today we have Firetail Robotics and they probably, the best way to describe them is that they simplify really complex um, hardware innovation projects, uh, linking together various components so that it's easy to use, easy to deploy uh, and easy to maintain in the field. And hardware is typically one of the harder areas to to have innovation. So, you know, Jack and Firetail have done such a great job with that. Um, Tim, run us through kind of what you, you think about and, and your takeaways from their incredible technologies and platforms. Yeah, what's fascinating about Firetail is, I mean, they're based in regional Australia, quite a long way from salt water. They're on the Murray River in Albury. But these guys do diverse projects in the fields of robotics. Um, but what they applied for to the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2021 was specifically this new technology they were working on called the Lagoon AI Orb. They've been working with Griffith University on how to get better insights into fish populations underwater, um, fish size, fish behaviour, and all these other different types of um, knowledge points. Because currently the technology that a lot of marine researchers use, which is called a, a BRUVS, a baited, rigged underwater video system, it's essentially just bait in a basket with a camera attached it's kind of limiting. It's going to have a lot of um, biases attached to it because you're only attracting certain types of fish, whereas this kind of technology can go down there and with AI and with machine learning, 
it's incredible. It can identify these species and these sizes and abundance so quickly, massively reducing the cost required and increasing, again, that knowledge, which is so fundamentally important so we can make decisions on how to protect the ocean. So, yeah, fascinating technology. I was, uh, I was like a couple of times in this podcast, I was like, okay, this guy is a few leagues ahead of me and I'm just going to hold on for dear life. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy some of the things they do and I encourage everyone after listening to the podcast to head to the website. They have great breakdowns of some of the projects that they've done and, and that's really a great example of how they take technology um, that they've created and hardware that they've created and actually apply it to different types of problems, um, which is, again, just on its own is, is such great innovation rather than having them start again. You know, they, they never reinvent the wheel. They're just continuously improving. Um, and one of the, the projects that I just found so fascinating was with the Surf Bee, which is the unmanned surface vehicle that they use to deploy the Lagoon AI orb. Um, they use that for, for many different applications, but one of them is what you could call coral IVF, where they they take um, you know that collected uh, coral spawn, I guess, and uh, and actually you know artificially move it around the reef so that it can it can regrow. Um, and he talked a little bit like uh, about that in the in the episode, didn't he, Tim? Yeah, look, I mean, you've got to talk to these people and just like you just never know what they're going to start talking about next. So, yeah, this um, particular piece of use case for their technology was this unmanned surface vehicle deploying coral spawn to aid in the reproduction of coral reefs. And so I just imagine what it would be like working in that Firetail robotics office and the phone rings and you're like, hello. I was like, yeah, can you help us um, disseminate uh, some coral spawn across the Great Barrier Reef? Sure, yeah, we'll be there next week. It's just fascinating that these people out there that they exist and I love it. And he did say that he basically has never been afraid to have a crack at a lot of things and that a lot of their, um, sometimes their business comes from that they know people who, um, you know, are scientists or engineers or whatever and they maybe get stuck with um, or, or, you know, someone asks them to do something and they, they kind of maybe hit a roadblock or they just don't know how you would attempt that thing. It's a bit crazy and a bit, you know, left of field. And so they they generally refer that that person or that company or that organisation to Firetail Robotics because they'll have a crack no matter what it is. So such fascinating stuff from this conversation um, and I think everyone will really enjoy it. So have a listen, guys. Let us know what you think. And, again, if you want to pre-register for PitchFest 2022, you can do that at ocean-impact.org forward slash PitchFest 2022. Thank you, everyone. Very pleased to have on the Ocean Impact podcast PitchFest 2021 series, Jack Hurley, who is the founder of Firetail Robotics. How are you, Jack? Yep, really good, Tim. I'm very happy to be here on a very cold winter's morning in Aubrey, New South Wales. Oh, there you go. Well, your innovation that was recognised as a finalist in the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2021 and, of course, the winner of the Dicker Data-backed Ocean Monitoring Spotlight Award was so captivating. It was a great pitch video. And I hear the technology's kind of constantly evolving since what you put forward on the Pitch Fest 2021 um, video you submitted, but I'd love to just hear from you a bit about your solution and particularly the the problem that it is that you're trying to solve through the Lagoon AI Orb. 
Yeah, um, look, I've got a. I actually brought it along as a prop, just a little bit of a close-up view, so people can see this is how it was, and you can sort of see it's got a, um, you know, a housing with a stereo camera in it, as well as a very high-powered AI system um, from NVIDIA, as well as a thruster on the back, um, and that allows it to sit under mainly our Surfbee um, USVs, and then be able to turn left and right to be able to keep, you know, something in frame. So it's really interesting where we've come from in this is that, you know, we really started the project around underwater, um, we'll call it underwater AI vision, which means that we, you know, we wanted to be able to um, look at fish type, their behaviour, sizing was a big thing. So some of our earlier customer-centric design conversations with universities and researchers came down to you know, we want something that was easily deployed. We want something to do the measurements, you know, like an easy stereo camera type system to be able to measure how big a fish is or something like that. Um, and, um, you know, and not really have it um, too situational. And what I mean by that is how they do at the moment is they use a BRUVS unit, which is a baited rigged underwater video system. Um, and, you know, large federal agencies and some state government agencies in this country use that. And, and that's a frame that sits on the ocean bed um, with some ca cameras and some bait. Um, and then the fish come up and, you know, and they start trying to work out how to go through many hours of video and, you know, eyeball things to try and work out what this fish is. So this is what they've been doing for years. And it's really interesting, um, you know, state government agencies around Australia have hundreds of hours of footage like this that they just cannot get through. So what we did in the early days was to partner up with Griffith University, who are, a, um, you know, a world leader on AI tech um, or, or AI tagging and, and, you know, understanding what fish do, their size, their, their type and their behaviour. Um, and we're not experts in that. You know, we're, like we build things and help enable um, universities and researchers to be able to do stuff like that. So, so that's where we've come from. Love it. So, people that have seen the pitch video would have seen the technology in action and that wonderful AI uh, work that the the Griffith team have obviously helped to to develop. Tell us a little bit about where you're at now with the technology and potentially where you're identifying some of those opportunities for your technology that maybe a little outside of where you particularly thought you you might be focused initially yeah it's pretty interesting i mean we 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 absolutely adopt the mantra of a customer you know centric design approach and what that means is we actually ask the customer what they want um so it's you know in in r and d land and university land it was a no brainer that we were putting up things like this and you know it's a, it's a pretty big system but it still hangs under one of our boats and goes up and down on a winch etc but really, you know, in the last six months, you know, we've got, you know, that whole box like this, you know, everything all in one down to, you know, essentially we're talking a stereo camera like that with some, um, you know, smart little processing power on it um, to be able to do some basic understanding, tagging, um, you know, fish ID stuff. So what's happening here is that, you know, it's the whole Moore's Law approach as you move along the scale of technology getting cheaper 
and um, you know, and and smaller really. Um, so you know, just that AI camera. Uh, sorry, you can see the stereo camera at the front there. Just that cost of that is you know fifteen hundred dollars. These stereo cameras now are uh, you know pushing in around one hundred and fifty bucks. So you know that's in six months, and it's it, it makes us you know like we've always got to keep moving the the you know moving the um, pin along a little bit to try and keep up with a lot of that but yeah it's pretty interesting how um new tech is you know is coming along to make our job easier um and also you know obviously a, a lot more palatable for the customer you could say yeah and i'm really keen to dive a little bit more into that customer journey and how that will shape the the future predictions of, of where the the startup actually heads but I'd love to come back a little bit, I suppose, to to your personal why. Um, you know, why Jack Hurley, based in Aubrey Wodonga in regional Australia, is really focused so much on technology that can ultimately unlock so many hidden secrets of the ocean and waterways. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your personal why, if you wouldn't mind, Jack. Yeah, well, it's a long, it's a long why. I mean, I started out completely opposite to what I do now. So, I mean, I'm a helicopter agricultural pilot. Um, you know, like I had helicopter companies that we used a lot of chemical, you know, in the days. And, you know, I was pretty young when I got into it. But, you know, I saw a lot. You know, even though we have all the best practices around spraying and spray drift, I'm, I'm you know, I'm quite confident that we did our best, you know, the best of our ability at that time to ensure there was no you know, outliers in that field. So I'm pretty confident of the Aerial Agricultural Association of Australia and how that operates. But still, you know, no matter how professional we were, there is plenty of other, um, you know, contractors, ground spraying, farming. There's plenty of other stuff where I've seen it with my own eyes on runoff and chemical and, you know, just overspray and it's, you know, not everyone behaves like an aerial operator. You know, we're quite out there, but not everyone does that. So my personal why is I actually feel like, you know, back in you know mid-2000s, I sort of changed my trajectory into technology and started doing more projects around, um, you know, around thinking, thinking more around being, to me, maybe a better human for the planet and very opposite to what my perception was back in the day. So, um, yeah, you know, look, I take my kids up to, you know, the Great Barrier Reef. I've seen what happens out there. I've, I've watched the bleaching. I've actually seen it. It's not as if I'm reading a document. I've watched it happen over the years. Um, so I spent a fair bit of time out of um, out of the Whitsundays and, and further up and down that coast. And, you know, wh when you're really witnessing it, and I'm telling people, I'm dragging people there saying, no, just check it out. You're seeing, you know, this is visual. It's happening. Um, you know, let's let's do something about it. And if it, if my why is about you know using you know my little you know little technology business in the back of Albury to be able to come up with some you know neat technology around inland waterways you know and remote sensing inland waterways for water quality then I think that you know passes across into where our rivers ultimately end in the ocean and if we can keep our end you know and, and help agency you know, measure and and um, you know actually look what's happening in fresh water. Then I think that is an instant result into salt water. So so that's my why, and this is where I'm heading. So love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Jack. So yeah, just trying to think back to your journey as a, a pioneer in technology and innovation. 
and what you're ultimately you know, working on with this particular piece of tech. Um, you know, what other problems have you sought to solve in the past? And, you know, I suppose you could maybe reiterate really where the story of this particular piece of tech evolved from. Did someone come to you with a problem? Um, maybe it's off the back of what you did with Surfbee or what was the real, uh, you know, the real seed which led to this beautiful plant that is growing with your technology with Lagoon AI and Surfbee? Yeah, um, and I'll just put it out there at the start. I mean, I'm surrounded by some smart smart people in the room, right? So I call them the smartest people in the room. I surround myself with um, with people who really know how to do things. Um, not really a pioneer. I'm absolutely glass half full, everything, you know, the, the, it's the Australian punt, isn't it? You know, but I'm pretty well weighted on what I think is going to happen that way. So um, as far as, um, you know, uh, pioneer, I shed, you know, I definitely share my, uh, you know, what we're doing with uh, with some very key people in my business. Um, it's interesting, you know, so working with Queensland University in the early days um, with Surfbee, you know, they, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, winching, right? So they wanted to winch something under the water from our boats and winching is, you know, dropping a 50-metre tether down with something on it. So usually what we, you know, I suppose one of the um, normal things to do there is to use some type of environmental sensor like, a, you know, a xylem product or something like that, which is a uh, an XO product that has a multi-parameter sound um, that has, you know, can, you know, um, temperature, um, you know, some of the, um, you know, health of water, um, everything. So there's there's lots of different uh, parameters you can, you can set it up for. Um, so it also made sense to put a camera on it, um, and hence where the AI, you know, underwater housings and and AI, you know, the whole idea of an AI camera. And the and the, you know, why what's different from a normal camera to an AI camera, without going stereo, is that. You know, a normal camera can sit there and data record and, you know, throw images onto an SD card. But, you know, when you start doing the processing power in the housing, what that gives you is instantaneous results, right? So so that was an attractive thing for um, our clients like, you know, Queensland University and there were some conversations with QUT and those guys. So, you know, we're very R&D university focused, right, because those guys are busy enough saving the world and what they do. You know, it's pretty cool that they're able to speak to companies like us to build, you know, the the vehicles they need to do their job. And that's where we've really carved out a, a, a good niche with uh, Queensland Uni and QUT on. Um, we also provide the larval bot with QUT up there, which is the bot that runs around and uh, seeds the coral babies, um, et cetera. So, yeah, so absolutely the need of R&D. But, you know, the the you know, when you start to talk to corporates as far as companies like the Xylems and Teledynes of this world, um, I mean, these guys are, uh, you know, the, the big corporate end of town that provide, um, you know, multi-parameter sensing and, and water measurement um, to the world. Um, and that's where we've got to look at our split between R&D and commercial activities. So, you know, we're, we're currently in a, a pretty heavily uh, heavy development sprint on, you know, building out a uh, a winch project to suit our surf bees um, that's, that's something more customer ready, um, meaning that our surf bee could go out to a spot, drop a product, a, a package, a sond or a, a you know, multi-parameter um, sensor, um, AI cameras, you know, 50 metres under the boat, 
sit there, bring it back up and come back to wherever the person is, whether it's a mothership or whether it's a, um, you know, whether it's back to land. So, um, you know, and, and from the commercial side, you know, that's the growth of the business where the R&D side is absolutely, you know, that, like that's our, it's probably our bread and butter, but, you know, we're, we're at that, uh, you know, we're at that juncture right now where, you know, where we've, we feel like we've just about got it as far as the, um, you know, what, what's needed for water quality in Australia. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit more about some of those previous projects that you've worked on and, and other technologies that you've created in, in collaboration. I think people listening in would would love to hear a little bit about that uh, that arc that you've been on and, and maybe a little bit of a glimpse at, at where it might be heading into the future. Yeah, it's interesting. We, um, you know, we're probably fortunate enough to tie ourselves closely to Telstra in the early days of being, a, um, you know, Telstra Labs in, in Victoria. We, we, you know, we started working for them as a quick and nimble prototype organisation. So when these guys come up with an awesome idea, say with Transurban, which we've worked with as well, um, of, um, you know, trying to solve um, road safety issues for workers, you know, we, you know, we, we got into different projects there around, you know, building personal wearables um, for alerting oncoming traffic, right? So, so when there's a, a truck about to hit um, or, or, or a car about to hit a, um, you know, a work site, then everyone's alerted. You know, we've, we've done projects like that. We developed the cyber cone, we call it, which is the robotic safety cone um, with Transurban. Um, and, you know, that's that's been an awesome um, you know, a bit of a baptism of fire for a small company out of Albury. But, you know, being from the bush, we, you know, we we didn't let that stop us. You know, there's a, um, it's quite easy to get things done in the middle of nowhere, we find, than, uh, than the big city. Um, but also from there, um, you know, we started working with some pretty big construction companies on AI safety cameras. Um, so we built safety cameras to look over work sites um, and provide the AI um, know-how to be able to warn a worker if they were firstly off path or, you know, vehicles approaching, et cetera. So, you know, we've had a, we've had a good glimpse into, you know, things that move and also some uh, visual stuff. And a lot of that really works into where Surfbee's heading as a product. You know, we, we feel we're, we've made a, you know, a big transition into water and we'll just call it water as a thing. And, um, you know, and we, I think that's where we're definitely having our focus on water quality and, um, and, you know, being able to do more uh, for the planet. Well, we're pleased to hear that because it really is a big part of what OIO is is here to try and find and support when it comes to those startups who are helping to increase our knowledge and awareness of the ocean because we all know that if you don't have that knowledge and that data, then you just cannot simply make any decisions that are going to improve the health of the ocean so we thank you for uh, for keeping that focus on water tell me jack a little bit more about some of your could be for the business or for you personally some of your real achievements what are some of those sort of success success stories that you like to talk about um, and that can also be a bit of a precursor to the flip side of that question which is where are some of those major challenges that you've faced in in building a business yeah, I think um, I think one of the I'd say one of the the biggest impacts we've had to date with Firetail was that we we actually won the Pacific Humanitarian Challenge back in 2016, um, and that was all about helping 
um, you know, Islanders and, and you know, Ireland, you know, Ireland's under stress on, you know, on or between or, you know, preceding a cyclone or post a cyclone. So what that means is that we, we had to come up with a solution for um, Islanders to be able to um, record damage after a cyclone um, and be able to get that um, information out. So as you know, um, you know, Fiji, Vanuatu, New Cal, like these, um, you know, these places are, are remote. Um, there's many islands around the main islands that are, that are even, you know, more remote. Um, so, um, you know, when there's a, a cyclone, you know, that has hit, that has hit a, or devastated an, an island, like let's, you know, Tanner Island, you could say, um, then, you know, being able to create awareness by taking photos from the air in a you know inexpensive way and then be able to get that data out um for you know agencies to respond but also for you know the world to see what is happening to be able to provide you know further funding um and and create some awareness has been really important so winning that pacific humanitarian challenge allowed us to build a very low cost foam airplane that um that could be hand thrown very easily by anyone um all they would do is they'd put their android phone into it press the app on and then throw the airplane and and essentially what it did it had some pre-programmed routes that would um, go up and down a beach and be able to take some photos from the air um, and then from that it's, it's interesting um you know we we you know we we did really well out there as far as being able to test the project and, and, you know, do things. Um, and then, you know, pretty well had the solution to, you know, being able to get some, you know, first responder activity. So that was a, that was a huge highlight on seeing, you know, the impact on, on what that would do in an event. Love that. So just run me through that again. Like how does an opportunity like that land on your desk? Are you responding to a, a call for ideas for an application process? How does something like that land on your desk and then how do you quickly turn that around to become a usable product? Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. You know, I've got, I think I'm a friendly dude. Um, you know, like I've just got people who probably have more contact and, you know, who are in those, um, you know, in the city environments to be able to, you know, co-working spaces and things like that. There are a call for for help right um and then usually when it's in the too hard box for some of these guys they they say just give jack a call in albury those guys will sort it and that's what it's like it's like you know that those those guys are mad enough to do it or or they'll have a crack at it and you know that's one thing is i have never been afraid to have a crack at a lot of things and and this is another one but yeah just just good people who you know, who understand where our niche is and understand as well that it's not all for sitting here for, you know, trying to make a gain on everything we do. You know, we find it very iterative, iterative our approach to building our business. Um, but, uh, yeah, same thing. Good people send us stuff. So it sounds like you, it sounds like you love that process and you, you love the challenge no matter where it comes from to, to land uh, on your desk, so to speak. Um, how then is that to turn from that probably lights your your fire and gets you really excited and builds a whole lot of um, accomplishment, sense of accomplishment amongst the team? But then talk us a little bit about, I suppose, 
building and and maintaining a successful business because we all know that can be the hard part particularly if you or others around you don't have that particular skill set or focus tell us a little bit about your journey in 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 building a, a business that can stand the test of time yeah I, it's interesting you know um i think about my helicopter days and i think about like when i think back on that i think about how hard it was you know it was actually hard you know so um, you know, hard as in being that, you know, there was a lot of death in our businesses with helicopters and, you know, I don't, I've, there's friends that I don't have anymore from that, you know, from, you know, that have, uh, that have ended up being killed. Um, and I used to think of how hard that game was. And I come out of that very battle hardened. As far as you come out of an industry like that, you are, you've, you've either got to take it two ways. You either are the sort of guy that becomes a very angry old person that is just, you know, everything's against them and, and um, you know, you have the battle scars and there's plenty of guys like that out of those industries that have seen what tough looks like. And then, you, you, you know, a little bit like me, I, I used it as fuel, right? And what I did was I probably, you know, like I feel like sometimes I work for, for the guy, for my friends that aren't here anymore, you know, to make a difference. So that's the other thing is I use it as a driver. Like they didn't get an opportunity to to go on, you know, with their family and do things like that. So I use that as fuel. So for me, you know, it, you know, I never accept a no off the person that can't say yes, right? So that's been my mantra in life. Gets me into trouble here and there, but it, it's it's you know, it's just how I'm taking it. People aren't dying on creating surf bees, right? People, you know, like doing this sort of stuff. Like I've seen what tough looks like and this is, you know, it's 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 business as usual. So, yeah, so that's where a lot of that drive comes from and why I do that, I'd say. so. That's really, really fascinating and something I sh- I'm sure people out there are, are sort of responding to in their own ways. But, you know, your motivation to have that resilience and, and perseverance based so much on some of your your personal and and career history there that's a, that's really fascinating what about this this other question that we love to ask which is really around one to two key learnings that you've um got to share i suppose there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast series who are in the thick of of building a startup or want to build a startup and they just are out there you know, really desperately seeking any sort of words of wisdom or advice uh, to help them on their journey. Do you have anything that you would like to share with people uh, on that journey? Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and say everyone is going to win. And and that's the hardest thing. And it's a brutal thing because it's right. Um, I've, you know, I think my thing is that, you know, there is perseverance, but I think the number one thing I've learned is that you build what someone wants. I'd say that's the simplest thing. You ask them, you know, you spend as much time as you can with your customer and you drag them along the way and you say, you know, I'm building this. Are you going to buy this? Is this exactly what you're going to buy? And the other thing is that, you know, you've got, um, you know, it's a real iterative sort of way of doing that as far as that your customer contact is everything. Know your customer is everything um and you know and it, it's it's very fundamental to customer centric design but you've you know there's a lot of opportunity out there but it's no use going and inventing the coolest 
you know, stuff that you can think of if you don't have anyone to buy it because, you know, you've got to survive and, you know, be careful where you get your money from, you know. So, um, you know, that's the other thing. I love using banks' money. That's the best way of doing it, right? They've got plenty, but it's, um, you know, it's also really hard to get money. But if you've got a really good purchase order in front of you from a, you know, customer that you've worked with or put that six months' work into and um, and really have built what they want, I think that's everything. Um, so, and, and yeah, touch touching the customer in all levels, whether it's from the CEO to the guy who's, you know, the guy who's sitting in the ute out in the, next to a river that can give you some insights. That's the most important in, you know, in the way I feel about it. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that, Jack. I'm sure that's going to land very firmly with some of those people tuning in today. Tell us a little bit about the road ahead for Firetail. Um, you know, you might want to talk specifically about Lagoon AI and, and where it's heading in the next 12 to 24 months, or perhaps it's more broadly across the business. But yeah, we'd love to hear a little bit about the, the road ahead. Yep. Um, so what we've done really well in the last 18 months is we um, we essentially, with Surfbee as a product and Lagoon AI as a product, I'll, I'll separate the two, but I'll see where they tell you where they fit. I mean, Surfbee has become, um, you know, the number one, you could say the number one tool for on-water, underwater measurement in inland rivers. So what that means is, you know, we're over 30 boats just with water in New South Wales, um, and that's been huge. You know, we've, we've, you know, we've knocked away the biggest corporates in the world on their product offerings, and we've done it here in Australia, out of Albury. We are building boats for state governments that would normally, you know, trust the big, big boys. Um, and I think we've been able to do that by absolutely knowing the customer. And that is, you know, like that's a, um, a testament to a couple of guys in our business on really understanding, you know, what they need. Um, so for us, we are absolutely heading into the, you know, we want to be very dominant in Australia and inland rivers on what we're doing for water, uh, for water sensing. Um, and in saying that, we also um, are pushing the water quality angle um, to the next level. So that means that, you know, hopefully these same vessels that we sell, we should be able to add a winch module on there and just, you know, start working on the multi-parameter stuff and, um, and you know, which we are doing. Um, and we think water quality is a number one conversation going forward for inland water um, and the price, you know, obviously relates to the price of water and, um, and where we are in this world at the moment. Um, so that's where Surfbee sits. Lagoon AI, you know, how we tie that in is that, you know, we see the Lagoon AI system adding, you know, essentially for us it's a module that would be both vision and other parameter module. So we see tying in, you know, vision systems like this into other remote sensing or other sensing opportunities at the same time um, and then being able to collect all that data at once. So if, you know, if you're paying 150 bucks to $200 for a tiny little stereo module like that and housing it in something that, you know, that we're more used to, then, you know, it's not a big add-on, uh, we feel, for that, uh, you know, for a, a remote sensing opportunity. Um, so that's where Firetail is heading. We're very water focused, you know. We've um, we're essentially starting to get away from the R and D guys to really, you know, 
building a product and, um, you know, and then looking at a launch into the US and, uh, and Europe and the UK. Um, you know, we're, we are absolutely cutting lunch on, on what those guys are sending Australia and we're doing that. And it'd be awesome to get, um, you know, the support to launch out of the country and start getting some of these larger corporates to, um, you know, if we've proven it here in Australia, which is some of the toughest um, you know, country in the world to do things, um, then, you know, heading it into the US and other countries should be a lot easier. But we don't have a big marketing department. We've got a, a funky little website that seems to go okay, but we're um, we're just at that launch point, you could say. It's been a lot of years coming. Well, hopefully we can be reaching people all across the world, all across planet ocean who are, you know, picking up what you're putting down and really fascinated to to hear about your technology. Where um where are we at globally when it comes to underwater sensing and underwater drones? It does feel like there's even just looking at your recent progress and things downsizing and costs coming uh, becoming much cheaper. Like what's happening globally in in your eyes when it comes to this market? I mean, this area would have been hugely expensive for so long and out of reach of so many, but I can imagine it's becoming much more available as people and businesses like you and others into the space yeah this is a really good one because um you know i, I like and marine is the same as aviation so aviation you know i used to send up a million and a half dollars worth of helicopter to take a photo of a house <laughs> so so think about that 2004 you know there was a lot of bread and butter on sending a, a you know a, a helicopter and a cameraman up to take a photo of a house now you know my little kid just bought a 250 dollar um, you know, a little, little buzzy drone that had a 1080 camera on it that can do the same thing. So it was really interesting how, um, how that changed. So I definitely got the hint even back in 2005 that, you know, that, um, uh, you know, that was coming. So I've attended a few of the marine conferences around the world. And what I, I mean, one of the huge drivers for me was absolutely what I saw. I saw overpriced items everywhere meaning that it's not yeah you could build things for a, a lot less there is a lot of design in marine marine's hard i get it but that's changing you know there's a couple of companies in the us that have done awesome with um uh Ro you know the rolf um system so the you know underwater um underwater drones you could say um that have really you know taking a bite taking a bite on the normal big boys in the game um, and I think that's opened up a lot to the prosumer, you know, the the citizen science as well, which I love. You know, it's awesome that someone can throw a drone off the end of a pier and start looking at stuff. You can look over YouTube and it's it's actually a really cool thing to watch. Um, so their time is coming. The, the you know, the, the surf bee of these worlds, you know, we're, we're, you know, we make money out of the surf bee, but we, we're also – considerably less than a um you know than a than a big corporate ventures um a boat that could probably do a quarter as much as what we can and that's talking a big game i know but it, it is right we, we feel we've got the proof of it now so um yeah times are changing and i can't wait that's absolutely right and i just think that you know, so much of the mantra that we've uh, iterated here at OIO is that, you know, you do naturally protect what you love. And we we love the ocean when we see it or we love the waterways, but we still don't really know that much about it. And I just like to imagine a future where 
we know so much more and therefore we know just how important it is to to protect it because we love it so dearly so i do really like the idea of this democratization in the future of of this data and just opening it up to the masses i'm sure there's got to be caution to some degree i did see some recent underwater drone um launch activity and thought gee that's I just thought of treasure hunters or I thought of poachers. I mean, if we open up this technology and people can go out there and scour the depths for things that have an economic value and there's no policing of that, then sure, there could be downsides and negatives, but that should definitely not be a barrier to um, to progress in this area. Would, would you sort of agree? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we are. it's interesting, even with regulation, um, you know, the aviation market, uh, you know, we're, you know the big. I'm pretty sure the big aerial operators of the time. You know, back in the 2010s, would have absolutely agreed that the um, drone game is coming and they need to be regulated. So you've got CASA who are all over the drones, and you know if you try and buy a drone now and fly it within, you know, a couple of miles of an airport, there's an issue. So there's regulation in in the air. Um, the 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 marine stuff's interesting. You know, AMSA have started to regulate you know, on surface stuff. So with the USVs, you know, uh, unmanned surface vessels, our boats are, you know, they're AMPs are ready, right? So we have nav lights on them and we have a regulation component to it. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think, you know, I think the real treasury stuff is a bit deeper than a little uh, prosumer drone might get. But um, but you're right, you know, um, it's like magnet fishing, right? You know, you, you lose an eye watch over the when you do a cliff jump and throw a magnet down and um, and and find some things like that is essentially the same as throwing, you know, throwing your little hobby drone down there and uh, being able to pick something up. But I love it. I think that uh, yeah, good on them. You know, I think it, I think it just drives in innovation and anything like that. So it's cool. Love it. No, I think we'll see lots and lots of progress and development in recent times. And again, we thank you for the contributions that uh, that you're making with the team. So as we wrap up the, the podcast, a chance for you to talk about anything that you wanted to get to today, but haven't had the chance and, and finish off by telling people where they can follow your journey and support you and obviously become customers. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think one thing I really want to uh, get out there is I want to thank Dicker Data obviously for the for the funds. Um, you know these guys have made uh, active contribution to our further development, which is awesome. And to be honest, it's you know we've we've got a few developers working on AI stuff. Um, devs are expensive, you know, like it's it's all happening that way. Um, but it's um, you know it's awesome that we're able to you know utilize that funding for the fur you know for the for the betterment of our of the product. Um, but also help, you know, drive that uh, cost difference and uh, being able to sit there at something that's palatable to a to a user. Um, people can follow us. Uh, look, fartilerobotics.com, where, uh, you know, we've got the website. We are on LinkedIn. Um, we, we will get a little bit more social coming into the new financial year. We've got a few plans on just getting ourselves out there a little bit more. But, you know, we really wanted to make sure we've got the right thing. And as far as you know, with the Surf Bay product, we feel like we've got a very good runway with that. You know, we've we've got them that um, that do a host of different things, um, but uh, and some really cool developments coming that way. That um, you know, there's never been a USV um, that could do about 30 kilometres an hour, and we've got one in our in our arsenal that we're about to. You know, hopefully in the next year we'll show people, and I'll guarantee you that's going to get some hits on YouTube. Very different, so. 
Um, yeah, anyway, um, vitarrobotics.com is probably the best place to, it's a website, but we'll get a little bit more socially as we go. And do jump on YouTube and obviously the, the pitch video that the, the guys submitted to PitchFest 2021 is out there and just seeing the surf be in action and seeing some of that AI in action is, is really exciting. We can't wait to see the, the souped up version in the near future, it sounds like, Jack. So thank you again for joining the podcast and for all the work that you and the team do. Awesome. Thanks very much for having me. And um, yeah, we'll see you again sometime. Can't take-